This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 163 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Equestrian Collections, the whole universe of equestrian shopping at your fingertips, and Fleeceworks, the finest fleece products for your horse at fleeceworks.com. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario. And you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hey, Philip, how are you this week? I'm good. How are you doing, Reese? I'm doing great. So uh, I heard that it's quite hot where you are. It was really hot today. I don't know if it's as hot as it is down south where you are, but it's hot for us. And uh, it's been uh, it's been tough. I got a show this weekend. Took some horses there today and schooled a little bit. And uh I was feeling the heat, and I guess it's going to stay this hot all weekend, and it's going to be tough. So, Philip, I you know I love you, but I've got to make fun of you. You said it was 31 degrees Celsius, um, and Glenn and I, before the show, that is 87 degrees. Yeah, but I said that's without the humidity. Maybe there's <laughs> humidity in there to make it hotter. It, I don't know. I, like I said, I, maybe it's not as hot everyone... as you guys, but I'm complaining about it anyway. Yeah, you know? you're really complaining about it. And it was, you know, over here last year, last week in Kentucky was 105 or something. So, um, yeah, I don't have a lot of sympathy. I would love 87 degrees, but right, I, just, I, just had, I just had to say that. I'll shut yeah. up. It's fair. Yeah, it's okay. It's, I had to make fun of you. But uh, we, we also have a, we have a pretty exciting week coming up. Um, you know, the Young Rider Championships uh, are here at the Horse Park uh, yeah. next week. So we already have uh, my Young Rider is getting ready and, and we're counting down for the big show. And uh, I'm also helping several eventing Young Riders. And I have a couple other Young Riders shipping in. Uh, for the weekend just to kind of be here and waylay before we go to the horse park. So uh, it's already, we're already feeling the big championship vibe here. That's great. I mean, I know that they named the Canadian teams not too long ago, and uh, I guess they're all shipping down to get down there for the big competition and, uh, you know, looking forward to it and looking forward to uh, seeing how our Canadians do against the Americans. And uh, I heard it's a great show. I haven't been down to see it, but uh, sounds exciting anyways. Yeah, I'll have a, a a report in a couple weeks, um, so I'm really looking forward to it, and it should be it should be a fun week. Uh, I did Young Riders, so it'll be fun to get back to my my uh, roots again. Great, but great. There's there's been some fun news. Uh, well, actually, this is not so fun for Wellington, but uh, Wellington, Florida, on Monday withdrew its bid for the 2018 World Equestrian Games. Um, it's, it's really a political, a politically generated campaign by the local government, uh, that could undo millions of dollars of major improvements to the Palm Beach Equestrian Center. Uh, the withdrawal of the application was sent to the FEI, um, by, in the USEF by Equestrian Sports Productions that organizes the world famous Winter Equestrian Festival and the newly created Global Dressage Festival. And the decision was made just two days before the presentations by the candidates of uh, the WEG uh, in, in Switzerland. So uh, three cities remain. Uh, well, actually four. Vienna, Bromont, and Rabat, Morocco. So uh, that, that's going to be interesting to see who gets it in 2018. Well, I'm liking that Bromont's still in there. Hopefully they make a good presentation and we can have a World Equestrian Games in Canada. I mean, 
I'm all for that. I won't have to travel too far to get there. And uh, good luck, good luck to Bromont, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been to Bromont in in its wonderful area, and uh, you know, I think it would be it would be fun either way. And I'd love to come hang out and party in Canada with you. That would be great. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> That'd be yeah. great. But uh, elsewhere in news, I guess uh, Charlotte Dujardin and Allegro deb- debuted a new freestyle, which scored 90.65% in Harbury, England. That's, uh, that's a pretty high score, getting close to the, to the world record held by totalists at 92.3-something percent. So um, that was you know, great for Charlotte. I think she's definitely one of the favorites to, to win gold, individual gold, and uh, and maybe even team gold for uh, for Great Britain. Um, I had a look at the test. You know, I watched it on YouTube, and uh, it was something to see. I mean, it was just a, a lot of beauty in that horse, and and just great stuff coming from there. So, what did you do? You have a, did you have a chance to see it or what? I did. I did. I had a chance to see it, and I would encourage everyone to go and and watch it. Find it on YouTube. It's really easy to find. I just uh, typed in her name. And uh, and it was great. It's worth watching. It's very very technically difficult test, and uh, she does it beautifully. So I'm looking forward to to seeing how she does. And she's young. She's a young rider. I mean, she's she's not. I'm sure she's over 21, but she's not very old. Uh, it's it's just really cool to see her uh, being as successful as she is. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the degree of difficulty of that test was. Uh something something to watch i mean we've seen a lot of high marking tests that maybe haven't been that difficult and for her to put that on and the horse looked relaxed and great and you know just beautiful anyway so yeah everybody watch that because uh it was something to see and it's a build up to the olympics right we're just getting the hype going exactly i think we're all excited i am too so yeah. on the Olympic note, um, coming back after our commercial break, we have David Marcus, and he is uh, the first year or first timer at the Olympics. Uh, so after our commercial break. Hi, Glenn the Geek here, and I am back with Debbie from Equestrian Collections with the Equestrian Collections product of the week. I wanted to talk about this week the Cashel Quiet Ride Bug Net. Now, every one of us out there has a fly mask for our horses, but this is a fly mask for people. I'll tell you, when you're trail riding and you're out there and you're in the woods, like like after a storm or something, and the mosquitoes or the, my goodness, the deer flies come out, this is perfect. I always thought it looked kind of silly, and then I bought one the other day because we had been out and the gnats were horrible. So I went home and bought one, wore it out to the same place like two weeks later, and I could not believe it. It really, really works. It keeps the gnats out of your eyes and in your out of your contacts and out of your nose and the mosquitoes. And it's not really that hot. It's it, it's just like you had a fly mask on, and you can you can trim it if you have a shorter neck. You can trim it. It goes up under your helmet. You can tuck down in your in your um, shirt or outside of it. I was just amazed at how how well it did. It was something that I don't think I ever want to be without on those trail rides at those places that are very buggy. And this year we have a tremendous problem with mosquitoes all over the country, so this is just a perfect item. And and it's affordable at fifteen ninety five. You can find it easily. Just go search for Quiet Ride Bug Net at EquestrianCollections.com, and it'll pop up, and you can get one in your hands very soon. (laughs) 
like to welcome David Marcus to the Dressage Radio Show. David is uh, riding for Canada in the Olympics uh, this year in London, and uh, David and I did Young Riders together uh, many years ago, so I, I look forward to having him on the show. Hi, David. Welcome to the show. Hi, Philip. Thank you for having me. Yeah, that's great. Um, let's get right to the interview. Tell us about your horse, Chevrolet's Capital. So I'm here in England with um, with my horse, Capital, who is a 12-year-old Danish gelding that is doing his first season Grand Prix. And I purchased him just over two years ago as a small tour horse, uh, originally as an investment horse for us um, to train to Grand Prix and, and eventually sell. And he's just turned out to be in a very short time, much more than we could have ever hoped for. So it's really exciting. So, David, what is it like to be in England? Has the Olympic vibe started already? It is cold and rainy, <laughs> um, but it is exciting. It is. We've been here at Harbury College uh, in Gloucester, about two and a half hours from London, for the last almost coming into 10 days now, and it's definitely exciting here. You see when you fly into the airport, they're talking about the Olympics. They had already accreditation open at the airport, so, and you're really starting to feel the energy uh, around you, especially now that the horse show has started here at Harpery, that you see, um, you know, Great Britain's Olympians here, get, or future Olympians for this year, getting, getting ready to compete in two weeks or in, in three weeks. So it's, it's really exciting. And, and there's definitely an energy where everyone is um, getting motivated. People are starting to fly in. And uh, it's a really exciting time to be here. That's great. Um, you're there with the rest of the Canadian team. Is that correct? We are here um, with uh, all of the Canadian team except for Pia Formula, who lives in Germany, who will be joining us at the training camp. She is competing in Aachen this weekend. But uh, the rest of the team is here, and we uh, just finished the Grand Prix not long ago, uh, just a few hours ago here at Harper, yes. And how, do, how is it going for everybody in, in the training camp? Uh, we, we don't start the training camp until um, after this competition in another week, but um, the Grand Prix went really well today. I think uh, for the Canadians as a whole, I think we were, did a very respectable job. Um, as you can imagine, Charlotte won the Grand Prix today on 81. She had a beautiful ride, even though it's pouring rain here. And Ashley Holzer was second in the Grand Prix on 72. I was fourth in the Grand Prix on 68.9. Uh, Jackie Brooks was fifth in the Grand Prix on 68.5. And Diane Creech was seventh in the Grand Prix on 67.5, I think. So I think we did a pretty respectable job here competing against all the Brits. Yeah, it's been great. Oh, that's super. And David, what is it like to, I know, be going to your first Olympics and you also just became a Canadian citizen, is that right? Yeah, it's uh, a bit, I guess, surreal is the best thing I can think of. I, I just became a Canadian citizen. I've lived in Canada my whole adult life, really, since I was 18 and, and started university there. But I just became a citizen between Christmas and New Year's of uh, 2011 and started my first Grand Prix on this horse in January in Florida. He did his first National Grand Prix and his first CDI in February. So it is, uh, it is a dream come true, really. And 
couldn't be more exciting coming through this whole process and, you know, being a member of the Canadian Olympic team after what really shouldn't have happened for me, considering the horse is so not even into a six month uh, of, of competing in Grand Prix. So it's great. Just a little bit about what led to the change in citizenship and your decision there. Uh, well, I've, I've, like I said, I've lived in Canada my whole adult life, and um, I haven't actually changed my citizenship. I've just become a dual citizen. I was ri- originally American and competed for the U.S. as a young rider, and be- I just feel like I've, I've lived in Canada my whole adult life. It seemed like the next step. I've been a permanent resident for many years, and the owners of the horses are Canadian. I have my own farm, my own in Canada, so it seemed like the next logical thing to do. And then we we were able to coordinate that by becoming a citizen before the 1st of 2012, which by doing that and changing that through the FBI allows you to trial for the Olympics. So that was another reason that we really did want it to happen before the 1st of the year, which worked out in our favor, obviously. No, that's fabulous. Um, so tell us, what is it like to be in training? You know, I guess you're not really in training camp, but now you're working, you're over there with Jackie and with Diane. How does that work as a team dynamic for you guys? Uh, it's been great. It's been, everyone's been very supportive of each other. All the horses are, are we, we are very supportive. We all are um, living in the dorms here on campus. So, and mm-hmm. going out for dinner together every night. So, um, it's been very. It's been a very nice team environment here. Everyone's watching each other's school every day and helping each other when our trainers are not able to be here. So it, I I couldn't be happier with the whole experience. Do you have family coming over to uh, to support you in the Olympics, or are they there now, or uh, who's who's there with you? Um, no, right now here I'm just here on my own. Uh, my trainer Robert Dover is here helping me for this horse show, and he'll go home on Monday. And then uh, my family will come over at the beginning of the game. My parents will come, my sister and her boyfriend are coming over, and a few family friends. Um, and um, my, my partner, Nicholas Fife, is also coming over to help me at the games, as well as Robert Dover will be here. So um, we're, we're going to have a nice big group of supporters. I feel really uh, happy to have such a nice group of people coming to, to support me for this. Well, for sure. We're supporting you here, too, from Kentucky. So, Davis, David, what are some things that you're working on for the games to make your Grand Prix better? Or, you know, what are, what are some things you want to improve in the next couple of weeks? Uh, for my horse, he's so green. You know, I have to remind myself that he's so green. He's, he's done a lot of competitions in a very short time. He's probably done two years' worth of competitions in this last six months through the way the Canadian criteria is laid out, having competed in Florida, et cetera so many shows in a row, and then uh, done a few nice CDIs in Canada. So I feel like it's all about building his confidence, really, keeping him really fresh, a lot of real strengths um, that I'm trying just to keep him really happy in his work and con- continue to make him a little bit stronger all the time in, in some of the things that are a bit harder for him and just keep him in a really positive, happy way that he's trying really hard to work for me, which... Luckily, so far, Knockwood, I've been able to, to manage. He's really on my side and really wants to play the game with me, and I think that's what has really allowed me to make such a great uh, you know, progress in such a short time with him. So uh, what are, what, let's talk a little bit about what are his highlights, what movements are you, that you look forward to in the test and you want to show off. 
Um, the trot work and the passage are usually strong for eights, um, and, and I would say that the the half passes are continuing to get stronger and he's getting more consistent. There's really nothing that he can't do for an eight, I would say. And now it's just about putting it all together. I would say his extended trots are always a highlight. I can really rely on on him really finding a nice cadence and uphill balance and really covering ground in the extensions. And the canter work as well. It's always getting stronger. He has beautiful pirouettes, beautiful tempi changes, um, beautiful extended canter. There is really a, a big hole in this horse. He also has a beautiful walk, always gets consistently eighth, even ninth in his walk work, which I think uh, at this level really helps as well, having great walk work. Oh, it does for sure. It's a great place to rack up some points. So, David, what happens after the horse show? You Or what happens kind of this weekend with the show? You do the special tomorrow, and, and then what? Tomorrow's actually the freestyle, but I'm declared for the special, which will ride on Sunday. And then Monday, we will move into the venue where our training camp will be. So we'll get there a bit early before the training camp, but the training camp will officially start on the 16th. And we then will stay there, which is a nice, quiet, private facility where the horses can really kind of let down a little bit so we can properly build them up uh, coming into the game and get ready at this beautiful venue just uh, about an hour from here. David, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about um, how you're mentally preparing for the games. I mean, uh, it's a lot of pressure. I think it's your first games. Um, what, do you, what is you and maybe the team doing to uh, release some stress and, and, and that kind of thing? Um, I, I think as far as mentally preparing, we are we are trying to stay really strong as a team, which is very easy for us to do as we all get along really well, and really focusing on, on helping each other on a daily basis. But as far as, um, you know, the pressure of it, for me anyways, I feel like my horse and I have been consistent, and it's our first Olympics, and not that I don't feel pressure, I want to do my goal is to have a personal best and be as strong as I can possibly be for the team. And I think all of us are on green horses. Uh, it's all their first year Grand Prix, and I think we're all going just to do a personal best at the games. And I think um, that supporting each other has really helped us keep positive and keep always on the right track. Well, we are, we're all jealous, and we can't wait for, to hear how it goes. And um, we'd love to have you come back on the show and let us know how your first Olympic Games goes. Oh, I'd love to. Thanks for having me, guys. Really, really appreciate it. And right after this commercial, we have FEI trainer Pam Goodrich with her trainer tip. Fleeceworks manufactures pure Australian merino sheepskin and merino wool saddle pads and accessories. Their pads produce a vital thermal balancing layer to pull excess moisture and heat away from the horse's back, allowing muscles to work at maximum capacity without overheating. Fleeceworks Australian Merino Wool is breathable and hydrophilic, able to hold and store 35% of its own weight in liquid. A longtime staple of the medical field, Australian Merino fibers have no equal when it comes to delivering a temperature-controlled, pressure-absorbing layer. The Fleeceworks philosophy, minimum bulk, maximum performance. And they have a variety of anatomically correct pads incorporating technologies and designs that address the individual needs of every horse and rider. Ask for Fleeceworks saddle pads and accessories by name at your local tack and feed store. Or visit them online at fleeceworks.com. 
Pam, thanks so much for coming on the show. What's your trainer tip for this week? Well, I like to address making horses willing partners, specifically spooky horses so they don't spook so much, hot horses that get calmer, or lazy horses so that they are a little bit more forward and responsive to the age, which is a common problem with trainers, amateurs, with all people. And I think that having a lot of experience with all these horses, I have some pretty good tips on how to get people to address these issues rather than react to these issues, which is the biggest problem. If you have a spooky horse, the issue is the problem is not that they spook, should never be punished. However, they should have the confidence of the rider. I always say people, I'm brave enough for both of us, so let's go. And if the rider reacts in a nervous or don't spook kind of way, it reaffirms that the issue is a problem to the horse. An example would be your child is afraid of lightning. If you reaffirm that by being afraid yourself, you are confirming that it is afraid. If you, especially with children and horses, because their attention span is small, if you reassure the horse in a comforting way and redirect their thought process. For instance, let's go play a game. Let's do this instead. Consequently, if they're afraid of something in the corner, if you give them another job, let's do right shoulder in. You're going right by the corner. It takes their mind off of what they're afraid of. They're moving. They're not looking at it, which doesn't make sure that they don't affirm that that's actually something that's really scary. And you're blocking that inside where they want to run to. And you're giving them a job, confirming that let's do this job. Not, and again, not punishing the horse, but being firm and follow me. It's really okay. You know, I really have a lot of confidence in that, you know, if you do what I say, everything will be all right. And I've had very good success with this, with horses that are very afraid and gets to the point where I, when I close my aids, they go, phew, somebody's in charge, nobody's afraid, I can I'll rely on this person to get me by what I'm afraid of. It's like taking a kid's hand, crossing traffic, giving them confidence in a positive way and firm. I mean, I, you can be quite firm, but if you're firm in saying, do this, rather than don't do that, horses are quite responsive. When you're firm and don't do that, it reaffirms that maybe that's something I should be, like, afraid of or worried about. And it, it, horses that are a little spooky usually are always a little spooky. I mean, that's just the way I are. And actually, I like bright horses that are aware of their surroundings. That means they're responsive. That's the good news. The bad news is you have to direct that energy in a positive way and have them rely on the rider to give them confidence that it really is not, you know, nothing to worry about. If you... There are a few horses, like the thoroughbred types, if they see it, realize it, it's no big deal, they're good. You know, okay, I've seen it, it's okay. You say, it's okay, off we go, it's not a big deal, they go on. Some of the hey, horses I have a, really specific, a specific example. Sure. I mean, um, I, I have a bunch of horses, and the biggest problem, and I, and I see it a lot as well, is uh, a little bit in the show situation, where you're coming down the center line and you got to ride right at that judge's booth towards C. Yep. You know what I mean? What are some some helpful tips 
maybe for training at home and also for dealing with a situation um, at a show, you know, where you have a little bit of a hot horse that doesn't want to go up, up to see. What's the best way to deal with that? Okay, prime example, I've had several horses that were like that. What I do at home is I ride them normal and I go someplace else. Like I ride them in the field or I ride them in the indoor. I take them into the outdoor arena and I just go down that center line just as fast and strong as I am with all the confidence in the world. And no matter what they, I never stop because the trouble is you halt that X and you're reconfirming yeah, the fact that, yeah, oh God, I better stop yeah. there. It's a real God, I better stop, it's really worried. And I just go charging down that center line with all the confidence in the world. And if they are worried or spooky, you know, I just do like I do any other time. You know, if they sp- you know, most horses either duck left or right, they have their issues. I go in shoulder in, I go around until they're confident. And I, I do it a lot, and I take them other places. I had a horse this winter that was that way. And I'd warm them up, I'd take them over to my friends and trot them around, and I'd just charge down that center line. Now, I tell you, I don't have brakes down that center line. It's like, okay, because he's learned that when I go down that center line, take a hold of that bit and go. And it's learned behavior. And I've given him a lot of confidence because I do it a lot. I don't mean a lot as in every day, but I've acclimated. I spent a lot of time warming him up someplace and then just going down that center line, you know, medium trot, good yeah. forward canter. And if they're worried, doing what I do any other time, shoulder in one way or the other, and go, keep doing it down that center line until they're confident. And eventually, it's like everything else. When they, you know, when I close my age and I take a hold of the bit, the horse goes, they learn if you're confident that when you do that, they go, shoo. It's okay. Somebody's holding my hand down this center line. You know what I mean? Somebody's taking me by charge and holding my hand down this center line, and I'll go. And I do that a lot before I go into the arena because you got to halt it up. And it just reconfirms the fact that, oh, maybe there's something scary up there and I better stop. Yeah, what are some suggestions that you give to, let's say, some amateur ladies or juniors that are, you know, get tense when their horse spooks? I think we've all yep. seen that a lot, and we've even seen our friends. How do you help them sort of get over that with a spooky horse? Uh, oh, well, yeah, that's the big problem. It's the confidence thing. What I tell people is if you're, if a man asks me to dance that I don't know, and he takes me tentatively in hand and tries to lead me in the dance, we're all over each other. If someone firmly, I don't mean abusively, but firmly takes it in and says, follow me, you know what I mean? Follow me. I am much more confident that that's going to happen. And the problem is as soon as people get tense and unsure or tentative, they immediately translate that to the horse. And it's mind over matter. I can be very tense and worried, but I don't let the horse know that. I mean, I don't tell the horse that. I can be, I actually get firmer, like, I don't mean firm in a bad way, but I get, I tell the horse, even though I'm worried about them wheeling and spinning and doing something stupid, I don't let the horse know that. I tell them, I have all the confidence in the world that I can handle whatever you do. 
and I do it in increments, especially with horses and riders that are timid. You make each step incrementally. In other words, you try to face things that are mildly intimidating that you know you can handle. And then you get confidence that you can handle that, then you handle something a little bit more daunting. You know, you do it in increments, and it's like children. You don't, like, throw them to the wolves and say, okay, just survive out there in the thunderstorm. You take them by the hand, give them reassurance. Then as they build more confidence, you increase the degree of intimidation, you know, worrisome situations. A lot of people are really not prepared. They don't realize that how daunting a show or tractors or waterers or, you know, water trucks can be to horses. You know, and they go from their backyard by themselves thinking, oh, yeah, things are good. And the horse goes, oh, my God. Like taking a child that's lived in a, you know, small environment and you throw them into New York City. It's terrifying. So you need to do it, you know, in little increments. You know, take them to a quiet place away from home and take them to a little busier place. Then a schooling show that's very backyard and user-friendly. So it's a positive experience so that when you go to a big, you know, daunting experience, you feel confident that you can handle. Also, tools. The more educated the horse is, the more tools you have to deal with what they do. And they should know a little bit of leg yield, a little bit of shoulder. I don't mean competitive. But they understand the aids so that when you put the aids on, the horse knows what that means so that you can rely on the tools of your training to override their automatic flight response or whatever their response is. So that's a big factor is that, you know, the flight training is so important. And I don't mean that they go around and look pretty. I mean useful tools so that when things happen, you have tools like turning and leg yielding and shoulder in to give the horse aid that can deal with what they are doing so that you know you can handle when it's a scary situation, you know, that you can handle it, like go, stop, turn, move away from my leg, just the basic education of the horse. But I do it incrementally, especially with timid horses and riders. You know, I don't like... No, no, I I think that's great advice. I think that's what everybody needs to remember is that it takes time, and and it does take time. And and starting at schooling shows or starting at a friend's barn and working up, you know, helps not only the rider's confidence, but helps the horse's confidence. So that's a great point. And once you lose it, it's hard to get it back. You know, the rider's worried, the horse is worried, you know, and then it's hard to get that confidence back. So you want to make sure that each situation, you know, it's like if you pick your battles, don't pick a battle you're going to lose, you know, make sure that even if it's a little bit tough on the outside of it or, the, you know, at the end of it, it's a positive experience. I mean, I do it in my daily training. I always end on a good note. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'd always oh, I, end think that's, a good note. I think that's fabulous. <laughs> well, Pam, thank you so much for coming on the Dressage Radio Show, and I hope you'll come back another time. Ah, it's been great. Anytime. Pleasure. And now I'd like to introduce Laura Bowman Herndon, the proud owner of Gooberg's Casper. Laura is a dear friend of mine and now rides my international horse, uh, Casper. And she uh, is our adult amateur spotlight for the week. Laura, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on this evening. Well, thank you, Reese. Thanks for having me. 
Well, I just want to tell all of Casper's fans, I've had lots of people ask me um, why Casper is no longer in my stable. And I have to quickly say that Laura and I became friends when she purchased uh, my first international horse, Yuri. Oh, man, Laura, that's several years ago now. And unfortunately, we lost Yuri, um, but we, Laura and I, remained friends. And uh, Casper, Guberg's Casper, the horse that I competed uh, internationally, uh, still was ready to compete, uh, could no longer really do the Grand Prix internationally, but I handpicked Miss Laura to be his new rider. So uh, we spent the winter in Florida and Casper in Ocala, uh, and Casper absolutely adored Laura's place, and Laura adored Casper. So um, she now has been his proud owner for about a year now. Yep, it was a year, um, May, I think, 19th, actually, somewhere around there. Yes, so, and you have won your silver medal and have competed uh, at Pre St. George and Intimate Year One at this point. Yes, that's right. Yep, I, and it's um, I got my silver medal this past October, and I yep I did, did a couple of I ones, and it's been very exciting. So well, we're well, we are so you know I couldn't be more thrilled to um, have him at your barn. You have an absolutely beautiful facility, and Laura, you also are an, an amazing woman. And uh, one of the reasons that I just adore you as a friend, but also as a rider, uh, but you are also a physical therapist. Am I correct? Yes, I am. I'm a PT. I've um, been a PT since 2001, and I'm actually, I work in acute care, which is a hospital. I'm the director of a rehab department there in the hospital, and um, yeah, that's that's my day job. That keeps keeps me riding Casper. <laughs> Exactly, <laughs> and he, as we know, he is he likes his uh, very fancy shoes for sure. Yes, um, that's right. <laughs> and Laura, you're also a mom. Yes, I have a 16 month old daughter. Her name is Jenna, um, and so that's been actually Jenna. I think when I got Casper, what Jenna was a couple months old, or it was I don't know. I came up to visit you and to, to ride him. And I think she was 10 weeks old. So Casper and Jenna kind of came came as a package deal, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did. We were actually at Laura's farm in Ocala uh, when Jenna was born and when she came home from the hospital. So it was really special uh, to be there. So, Laura, tell us, you have an amazing story on how you fit dressage and Casper into your very busy work, mom, wife, uh, daughter, life. So how do you do it on a daily basis? Um, well, I think it takes teamwork and um, some stubbornness and persistence along with all that. I think I have a very supportive family and, and husband, and um, my mom lives nearby, and, I, you know, I think you just, you just kind of make it happen in your day. I mean, I there are many mornings when I get up at 5 a.m. so I can ride before I go to work, and then... Sometimes when I have to go to work too early to do that, then I, after I come home and put Jenna to sleep, I, I turn the lights on the arena and go out um, at night and ride. So, you know, I just determined, I guess, or, or, I don't know, not so bright, one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're extremely determined, and you also have a great instructor, uh, Bill Woods. And yes. how do you work? How do you fit in your kind of your instruction and riding uh, intermediate one? That's where you're doing and. And your first time out, you got a seventy percent. I think I remember hearing. Yes, I did. I did. I feel I feel kind of guilty about that because I feel like, 
you shouldn't get a 70% the first time you ride I-1. Uh, that was, it was just really an, you know, an awesome ride. Um, we went over to Rocking Horse and it was, it, I don't know, it was just, it was one of those days I'll never forget. And, um, yes, Bill, um, Bill helps me. I, we meet, we try to meet weekly. It usually depends on his schedule and depends on my schedule, but he's, he's really good also with, you know, being flexible and to, fitting me in the schedule. A lot of times our lessons are seven o'clock in the morning. Um, but, but yeah, it's, no, I think that's kind of the hardest part about, um, having an FEI horse. I mean, we've talked a lot about it on the show, uh, having the instructor that really can be dedicated and getting to proper instruction. So having Bill come over is, uh, it was really integral for your success, I'm sure. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you, you certainly, I, you certainly can't do this on your own. I mean, and I, I know like Casper is an awesome teacher, but, uh, you know, that being said, I, I don't, you know, I'm learning, I'm learning to ride him and learning, you know, what he can do and without having a, an instructor to, to, you know, guide you in the right direction, I think is, is, is not the best way to, you know, to do that. Cause I, you know, I think it really helps and, Traveling into those areas that you're so unfamiliar with. How does it work um, when you go to competitions? How do you how do you make that work with work and with Jenna? How do, how do you do that? Well, I usually um, take off the, the Friday of the competition, obviously, um, and, you know, and get down wherever I'm going, and and then it's it's quite it's it's a it's quite an orchestration, I think, to make it all happen. But somehow it does. I mean. My husband usually takes off. He ends, well, he does. He takes off that Friday as well, um, so that um, and then kind of is in charge of Jenna, and you know we load up everything and every, suitcases and whatnot, and and um, all make it there, and and you know just like I said, somehow I don't really know how it works, but it works. And my parents usually come. My dad and and my mom and my stepdad are very supportive, so they you know they they help me with you know, getting where I need to go and help help with things. So it's definitely a family affair, I would say. What has been the biggest challenge in getting a horse uh, at Casper's level? The biggest challenge? Hmm. Um, I think, I think learn, trying to um, learn where, it, like how you are, you know, how, how I am as an amateur, I only, you know, I have a certain level of, of ability and then trying to step up my level of ability so that I can learn everything and get everything from him that I know he's capable of. If that, if that makes any sense, because you can, I mean, you can go around and ride, you know, a, a horse like Casper, but you, you know, but then there's, there's all different levels of which you can ride him and trying to, you know, maximize trying to get to those, that extra point. Sure. And, that and makes, you know, I does think... that make sense? Oh, no, it does. And I think everyone thinks, oh, you buy a schoolmaster. And, uh, you know, Casper, uh, <laughs> as much as I adore him, uh, he's a bit of a stinker, actually. He's not the easiest horse um, <laughs> to – he will spook at least once a day, a pretty pretty bad yes. spook. And, <laughs> you know, he, uh, he he keeps you on your toes for sure. But I think that's always the challenge. You know, I, you, know uh, you can have the opportunity to have a horse like that and, and buy a schoolmaster, but – and having a horse like that takes dedication and dedication in learning and dedication in the time in the saddle and time with your instructor and then time to sort of go through what you've worked with with your instructor. 
So um, it really says a lot to you that you really have, I know you really well, but you've really, you know, had to step up in your riding and, and where you were, and really you have risen to the challenge as well. And I think that's the biggest thing that I see when, when amateurs uh, get the opportunity to ride a horse or purchase uh, an FBI horse. It's not easy. And I think for me, uh, you know, I'm so proud because you have been a prime example of someone that uh, you have worked really hard uh, to get those 70%. Because Castro's not going out there. Castro would rather stand on his patio <laughs> than, than go. I mean, he loves to work. But, um, you know, you really have been, you know, a shining example. And that's one of the reasons I, I really wanted you to come on the show because you're really a true inspiration to me and to everyone here at my barn and to our listeners because you really have the ability to, you really have stepped it up. And it's not been easy for you and, and Chris, your wonderful husband, who, and Jenna, uh, and your whole family, and your mom, everyone, it's really a team effort. So I commend you on that. And, and Laura, thank you very much for coming on the show tonight. Well, yeah, well, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. And thank you for all those kind words and, and encouragement. So I, I really appreciate it. And, and yes, I, I'm having a wonderful time with Casper for sure. Nice to have that opportunity. Well, I can't wait for the gold medal. I'm, I'm coming <laughs> for that celebration. Well, I'm, I'm trying to figure out my. I'm trying to learn how to, ones right now is my is my new challenge. So it's you'll get, to get it. I know you will. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck, and I can't wait for that celebration. <laughs> Thanks, Reese. It was great talking to you. Okay, Reese. Well, this week we have an email from one of our listeners, which is great. The listener Kendall wrote. Hi, great show. I was hoping that during a show you might explain, expand on clinic auditing protocol. For example, is it acceptable to video record? I have a young horse, not ready for most clinics, but I'd like to bring her to other barns to see new sites. Is it acceptable to rent a stall at the clinic barn for the day and use the arena after the clinic is through? I would find the discussion of what to expect as an auditor really interesting, and maybe it will promote interest and participation. Thank you. What do you think, Reese? Well, first of all, Kendall, thanks so much for writing in. Uh, we love these kind of questions, and uh, when we get them and we like them, we will put them on the show. So keep sending them in. But, uh, Philip, I think this is a great question. I think this is a question that a lot of us have. And um, I also have some young horses, and I always look for an opportunity to get them off the farm and, and have a little adventure. Um, so uh, I, I emailed Kendall back just to kind of talk to her uh, a little bit about it. But what I said was um, I, I certainly think it's, it's great to take a young horse anywhere, um, but I would always ask the clinic organizer and I'm sure if they have the the stalls and the room uh, to to have you, I'm sure they would would let would let you. Um, we have clinics here at my farm. Uh, usually, clinic weeks are the busiest weeks that we have. So sometimes I don't have stalls. So I just uh, very kindly tell the the person, you know, I don't have a stall, but if you want to do it another day, uh, I would love to have you. So I think it just depends on. Um, you know, if you you should just ask uh, the clinic organizer and see, uh, and always be gracious. If if they don't have room, they'll they'll be nice and tell you. Uh, but I think you know, again, I'm I'm a big fan of taking young ones uh, out on field trips. So uh, great question, Philip. What would you say? Uh, I think it's good. I mean, first of all, um, it is acceptable to video record. I think I I like to 
record all my clinics, review them, you know, so definitely bring, bring a video camera. It's an even, uh, it's, it helps you get extra out of the clinic, you know, so uh, that's a perfect thing to do. And the other thing is, uh, you know, if one of my students asked me this, I would, I would tell them maybe just go in the clinic, you know, like, um, I don't think clinics are about, you know, showing off your best stuff. You know, maybe if you go to a barn and there's somebody in the middle helping you, you'll have an even better experience. I think, you know, clinicians want to see all levels of horses and, and help people and maybe just an experience in a new location. Uh, you can get a lot of help with that. So um, otherwise, yeah, just I, I think everybody who hosts, hosts clinics has a different take on, you know, what they want, you know, how many stalls they have, what they're going to allow for different people coming in. And then the other thing is is maybe you can just take uh, take your horse to a barn of a local trainer. It doesn't have to be a regular trainer, but just again to get it out, ride it around in a new arena, have a bit of a lesson, maybe you know experience something different. Um, you know, because what I do is I mean I know a lot of uh, barn owners and stuff. Sometimes I just give them a call and say I'd like to bring a horse by for the day. Would you know? Would you have a problem with that? You know, I, I sometimes have to pay an arena fee, which is pretty normal at different places, but. I'm happy to do that. It's a pretty inexpensive way to get off the property and, and have something to do. So, Oh, I think that's a great idea. And I think your point was well taken that, you know, clinics are for learning. I think uh, a lot of people say, oh, how could I possibly ride with that person? Uh, but you're absolutely right. I mean, you're going to a clinic to have a lesson and to get better. It's You're yeah. not showing. I try it's, and tell people the best yeah. lessons is when it goes wrong, not when everything is perfect. <laughs> I mean, a clinician exactly. and say, oh, that's good, that's good. They're there to help you. They're going to, you know, maybe push you beyond your um, expertise a little bit, push you beyond, you know, what you've been doing at home and just, you know, learning and getting help. So I think that's that's a great way to do that. Oh, I agree. Uh, no, I think that's that's a great, great way. Great question from Kendall. And again, I hope we get more questions. We can talk about it. Somebody and also else. if... Uh, a question for somebody specific, maybe a vet, or we can have somebody on to talk about things. You know, we need a lot of feedback on our shows so we can make them better. Exactly, exactly. And if we can't answer it, we will certainly find somebody that can. So, uh, so thanks so much for that. And you can find our show notes and links to today's guest on our website, dressageradio.com. You can like us on Facebook, just search for Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. And my website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. And you can find me at philipparksequestrian.com, and I have a new Horse Radio Network uh, email. It's just philip at horseradionetwork, so send me an email, uh, questions, anything. It's great. Yeah, and I guess we'd like to thank our sponsors, Equestrian Collections and Fleeceworks. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the horseradionetwork.com. So make sure you keep your heels down and your shoulders back and have a great week.